0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Gordon Dillow with us, fire in the sky. Gordon, uh, there is a danger, too, if you blow up an asteroid like Bruce Willis did in Armageddon. Couldn't you possibly spread the pieces of asteroids and you'd have more of a bigger problem?
1: That's certainly a concern. If you did it uh, when it was too close to Earth. Uh, it would, you know, take one big problem and turn it into maybe a thousand smaller problems, but still serious problems. So that's something that uh, you know scientists uh, uh, who are involved in this discuss all the time.
0: Since you've been looking into this, uh, what are scientists telling you privately about this? Are they concerned about anything?
1: Well, they're uh, they're scientists, so they you know they don't they don't want to be you know. Uh, chicken Little uh, uh, kind of things, but basically what they say is that uh, by looking for asteroids now, uh, it, it's sort of like um, you know mariners in the 18th century who were charting the reefs and shoals around the world, so that you know other ships could avoid them. By by charting these, th- tracking these things and identifying them now, we're p- kind of planning for the future. So if if something you know looks like it's gonna hit us in 200 years. We'll we'll have an idea, and we can prepare. So they're uh, they're pretty, uh, uh, you know, not not overly alarming about it. But they do understand that there is a hazard.
0: Gordon, tell us what is an asteroid war game, and what's been going on in D.C. with these things.
1: Well, last month they had a uh, planetary defense conference. They have these uh, every couple years, and it brings in a couple hundred uh, astronomers and astrophysicists and other scientists, and uh, disaster management people from around the world to discuss, well, what, what, would, what would we do if indeed we detected an asteroid that was coming towards Earth? And at each one, they, they set up an imaginary scenario. Okay, if, if this happens, then we do this, and if, if that happens, we do that. And for the one in the past month, the, the initial scenario was that an asteroid was detected while well, it was still about 35 million miles away from Earth about 800 feet uh, in diameter big enough to take out a city <clears throat> excuse me sure and their um um uh, the idea was that you know what are we going to do well initially they they calculated that this asteroid was going to hit denver and if it hit denver it would wipe out you know the in, the entire city and miles around so there was some argument about what do we do about it do we send up a nuclear uh, device explosive device, mm-hmm. kind of trying to nudge it out of its orbit. Um, that's controversial, uh, because there's uh, international treaties about nu- uh, militarizing space and putting nuclear weapons in space. So finally, they decided to use what, what's called a kinetic impactor. And that's basically just cannonball technology. You, you send up an unmanned spacecraft with a big chunk of metal in it, and you run the thing head-on into the asteroid. You ram it, I guess, right? You ram it. And the idea is not to destroy the asteroid. It's simply to slow it down by the tiniest fraction so that by the time the asteroid reaches its intended rendezvous point with Earth, Earth has already sailed by as it's orbiting the sun, and the asteroid misses us. So that's what they tried to do, and it, it was very technical. Yeah, I mean, it's it was almost like retro-
0: putting, putting a retro rocket on the asteroid.
1: Sort of, sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just changing the speed. So they, you know, they, they, they calculated all this, you know, throw weights and payloads and all this sort of stuff. And in the scenario, they sent up this kinetic impactor. Uh, well, actually, several kinetic impactor uh, space vehicles, and it was successful. They managed to slow down the main body of the asteroid. The problem was that uh, one of the kinetic impactors knocked off a chunk of the asteroid, about a Mm -hmm. uh, 200-foot-wide chunk. So they saved Denver, but the 200-pound chunk chunk, um, traveled on and destroyed New York City. A slight miscalculation.
0: Exactly. And that's very conceivable.
1: It's scientifically possible, sure. I mean, it's unlikely. It's unlikely, but it is absolutely scientifically possible.
0: I had heard that laser lights could also possibly push the asteroid out of the way. Is that true?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different techniques. Um, You know, one that uh, a student at MIT came up with was to bombard an asteroid with uh, white paintballs. The idea being that if you paint the asteroid white, it's going to change the way it absorbs light.
0: And and that'll help push it.
1: That would push it. The problem is that you would have to do that maybe 20, 30 years before the expected (laughs) impact, because it, it only pushes it just a tiny little bit. So, you know, that's a long-term solution. You know, what you were talking about lasers, kind of the same principle. You, you heat up the surface, and that causes it to just slightly shift out of its, uh, out of its orbit. So there's, there's a lot of things, theoretically, they can do. The, now, go ahead.
0: The Japanese landed on an asteroid, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, they've got a, a mission up there, and, we, and we've got a, a mission, too. To, uh, uh, it's called uh, uh, OSIRIS-REx. And it's, it's designed to, right now, it's a spacecraft, unmanned, of course, that's uh, orbiting a, uh, an asteroid called Bennu. It's a relatively small asteroid. And within the next, I think it's within the next year or so, uh, the spacecraft is going to swoop down and scoop up some surface samples from Bennu's surface and bring them back to Earth. So they can analyze the comp- composition, and they'll give them a lot of in- information as to what they're made out of and what's the best way to deflect them and that sort of thing.
0: What do you think of the privatization of companies that think they're going to go to asteroids and mine them and then bring the stuff back?
1: Well, I think it's a great idea, George. I mean, I haven't put any stock in them yet, but... Uh... Um, I think within the next ten or fifteen years, this could actually be possible. Geez, really? It, yeah, yeah. It's been. I mean, they're 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 conducting. These are serious people, and they're conducting you know tests of the technology right now, and it could be enormously lucrative because a lot of these asteroids have you know iron and. Uh, you know, other metals, plus precious metals like platinum.
0: But the machinery, how do you get the machinery out there and and the work? I mean, Amazon's just experimenting with sending drones our ways with little packages.
1: I heard heard you talking about that, and I can see a drone, you know, getting caught up in the clothesline out back. Exactly. Um, Ideally, this wouldn't happen with with these guys, and it's going to take a lot of experimentation. But uh, ultimately, I think it's going to happen.
0: How often do we get hit by asteroids, Gordon? Even if they're really small, every day. That's what uh, I think.
1: Re- really small ones. Uh, you, you, you've seen meteors in the sky in the and
0: that's just a grain of—it's s- a speck of sand or something,
1: yeah, isn't it? It's, it's, it's extremely tiny. Uh, you know, and those are pieces of uh, comets or asteroids that have hit the atmosphere. The thing is, they're traveling so fast. You know, we're talking 60,000 miles an hour that as they're coming through the atmosphere, it generates heat, and that's what makes them light up. Now, bigger ones, um, you know, up to about, I don't know, 30 feet, something like that. And, uh,
0: that's good know, size.
1: A yeah, that's good size. They almost always burn up in the atmosphere.
0: What about like a baseball-sized asteroid? Would that burn up, too?
1: That would burn up, but it would, it would probably make a pretty pretty bite, uh, bright flash in the sky.
0: I would think so, yeah. You, you, you would think it was like a nuke detonated in the atmosphere.
1: Yeah, and, the, and those happen somewhere on Earth every day. A lot of, a lot of times they aren't seen, but uh, back in December, over the Bering Sea, there was an asteroid about 20 feet, 20 feet diameter, something like that. It exploded over, uh, over the Bering Sea with, I think it was the equivalent of about 12... Hiroshima atomic bombs, and nobody saw it. It was picked up by some uh, Earth-monitoring satellites and some sensor systems, but it's such a remote area, nobody even saw the thing.
0: An asteroid the size of a football field, 300 feet long, uh, if it plowed into a city uh, in Bombay or someplace like that, would it take out that entire town?
1: Yeah, total destruction on some Oh, my God.
0: And And the crater itself would be how deep?
1: Well, you know there's a, uh the the best crater that that we have is is a crater called Meteor Crater um, in northern Arizona.:
0: Yeah, it's near you, right?
1: It's near me, yeah, I've been there uh, many times. And it happened about fifty thousand years ago, and it was about half the size of a city block, maybe 180, hundred and eighty, two hundred feet, something like that. And it left a crater that's almost a mile wide and several hundred feet deep. That gives you an idea. You can imagine, you know, uh, a metropolitan area that had suddenly had a crater a mile wide and several, several hundred feet deep.
0: Can you get uh, close enough to stand on the rim of that crater?
1: Oh, sure, sure. Could you fall into it? Well, you could fall down. It's pretty
0: steep. But it's That's not roped steep. off or anything, is it?
1: No, no, no. It's, uh, it's run as a uh, national, uh, um, kind of a national landmark, Interestingly, it's privately owned. It's not part of the Park Service or anything. Really? But there's a, yeah, but there's a, a very nice visitor center, and, uh, uh, you know, you can go and take a tour and stand on the rim and look through telescopes down to the, to the bottom of the crater. It's, um, I, it's, it, it's really exciting.
0: Is it like a gradual down to the bottom, or, you know, is it like cut off, like you're standing on top of a, a building in New York and you look down and, you know, if you fall, you're gone?
1: It's, it's more like an amphitheater.
0: Okay, so it's got kind of like a curve to it?
1: Yeah, kind of, kind of sloping, sloping walls.
0: So if, if you fell into it, you really wouldn't slide all the
1: way down. Well, ideally not, George. I might. Yeah. But, you know.
0: <laughs> that, well, that's, that's pretty fascinating. Now, if, if one of these were to hit, I mean, when you're talking about 180 feet wide, that's not big for an asteroid. It-
1: it's not that big, but fortunately, space is a pretty big big place. I mean, that's why they call it space. So these, uh, man, these things, they don't hit us that often. Um, as I said, the one that created Meteor Crater happened about 50,000 years ago. There have been many since, but um, Meteor Crater was sort of well-preserved. It was like, it's, you know, it's in the Arizona high desert. So it's sort of like it had handling instructions, you know, store in a cool, dry place. So uh, that one is almost perfect looking, but one that big happens maybe every 2,000 years, something like that.
0: Gordon, what do you think happened to the solar system four and a half billion years ago when it was formed? When you look at the moon, it is pocketed with craters. I mean, all over the place. What happened to it?
1: And so would we be if, uh, uh, if we didn't have an atmosphere.
0: That's true. And I bet if we drained the oceans, you'd see craters all over the place.
1: You might they, they might be filled in, but the, you know there's uh, there's hundreds of craters that you know have been found. A lot of them you can't really see. Um, you know they've kind of filled in by glaciation, or they've been you know uh, scraped flat, or they're underneath the ocean. But uh, yeah, you know if you look up at the moon, and almost all of the craters up there that you can see either through a telescope or binoculars or whatever. ...have been caused by impacts, and those are just the ones you can see from here.
0: And there must have been thousands of impacts, thousands of them.
1: Oh, there have been millions. Gee,
0: where'd they come from?
1: Well, they, you know, they're flying around in space and just kind of happened to collide with the moon or with Earth.
0: Are the other moons out there in the solar system, Jupiter's 50 and Mars' is couple and stuff, are they all pocketed this way, too?
1: Oh, yeah. All the, all the planets. Are, uh, uh, well, the, the the gaseous planets like Jupiter, um, you know, an asteroid hits one of those and it's just kind of absorbed. Just at, get at gobbled atmosphere. up. Yeah.
0: But, but what but, it yeah. tells you is this solar system, when it was forming, was very, very
1: chaotic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it remains so. It's a chaotic place out there, George.
0: Might there have been a planet that was close, again, between Earth and Mars, the moons out there, and it blew up, and all these pieces went flying?
1: Well, they don't think uh, that uh, that a planet actually blew up. They can't come up with a physical process that would cause that to happen. What they think is that protoplanets, these kind of, you know, early in the solar system formation, that these protoplanets were running into each other. And in fact, uh, there's one theory that uh, that's the reason we're tilted on our axis is that an extremely large uh, protoplanet uh ran into Earth billions of years ago and with with such power that it kind of kicked us off our uh, off our axis.
0: Are you convinced that governments are on top of this potential problem?
1: Well, I think I think people in all the different countries are the the, the problem is that uh, For a long time, there's been what's known as the giggle factor. You know, people, scientists say, oh, you know, we need to study asteroids. We need to look for asteroids. We need to find out, you know, what to do if an asteroid is coming. And people kind of, at least, especially 30 years ago or so, they kind of giggle a little bit. Well, you know, that's not really serious. But I think there's an increasing uh, realization that, yeah, it is serious.
0: You know, I think what it could take, too, is, uh, God forbid, but an asteroid hitting the planet, uh, hopefully it hits someplace where there aren't uh, fatalities. Uh, mm-hmm. But it demonstrates the possibility of what could happen. Uh, and maybe there's a tsunami that, uh, you know, hits a few shorelines, but nobody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that would make people wake up?
1: Well, you know, we, we spoke earlier about the, the one that uh, hit Chile events, Russia. In 2013, mm-hmm. it injured uh, 1,500 people, and that was an eye opener. i I've had people at NASA say, jokingly, of course, "Boy, we could use one of those every five years just to keep people, you know, on their toes and keep the funding coming."
0: Well, but I bet if you went out and polled Americans about that, 90 percent of them wouldn't even know about it.
1: Probably not. Probably not. But that's what we 're trying to do here, George is well, I know enlighten I know. them
0: I know, but but you're convinced governments are on top of this though. I mean you're secure enough to say that
1: i th- I think they're on top of it to the to the, to the extent that they are funding programs uh, you know you've got the european space uh, agency you've got the japan space agency you've got Russia and China, and they all have their their NEO programs, near Earth object programs. The United States is still the leader in that. However, um, the amount that we spend on what they call planetary defense, which is asteroid tracking and all that sort of stuff, it's it's really minuscule. I mean, it was uh, $150 million for fiscal 20, uh, 2019, but that's less than 1% of NASA's budget. And if you, and if you compare the $150 million we spend on planetary defense to the what, almost $700 billion we spend on conventional defense programs, less than a drop in the bucket.
0: If that six-mile asteroid was coming this way, would governments tell us about it?
1: I don't think they could help but tell us about it. <clears throat> I mean, that's always been a question, well, would they keep it secret like they did in uh, In the movie. Armageddon?
0: Yeah, too much panic.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think they could, because... When you detect an asteroid that looks like it might be headed towards Earth, you have to have a lot of follow-up observations to really hone its uh, uh, its orbit, you know, to really determine you know where this thing is going, and that involves people around the world, some am- some amateur ast- um, uh, astronomers, some professionals. It involves other governments. I'm just not sure you could keep that secret.
0: Well, that's a very strong possibility indeed, but uh, my gosh, it is frightening. I mean, what would you do if you were told a six-mile-wide asteroid, Gordon's coming this way, it'll hit us in two weeks, what would you do?
1: Well, if it was coming straight for, uh, for Phoenix, I guess I would kiss my asteroid goodbye.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.